Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This is the third show in our What Does Intermodal Mean to You series in partnership with IANA, the Intermodal Association of North America. I've really enjoyed chatting with them. So far, it's been a fascinating look at the intermodal industry, and I'm excited to find out more today. So in episode two, we talked about the equipment that's involved in the intermodal industry and how it keeps freight moving, the importance of maintenance and how IANA is driving innovation and best practice within the industry. Today in episode three, Phil Shook, Vice President, North America Surface Transportation at CH Robinson, is here with me today to take a look at what I'm sure will be a big part of the future of intermodal, and that is technology. We'll be finding out exactly what kinds of tech is being used in the industry, the importance of connectivity and partnerships, why technology companies themselves are attracted to the intermodal industry, and the role IANA thinks tech will play in the industry moving forward. So welcome to the show, Phil. Hey, good morning, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited for you to be here too, because technology is something everybody's talking about right now. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about the intermodal industry? So I am Phil Shook, as you mentioned. I've been at C.H. Robinson for almost 23 years now, and so it's almost hard to hear that out loud, but it's uh, it's been an awesome run. I've uh, had a number of different roles. I have accountability for our intermodal business line, and one of the facets of that is staying abreast of the technology and making recommendations as to how we what technologies we should be developing or purchasing to support our ever-changing customer and carrier needs. So it's been uh, quite quite the evolutionary ride going back into the 90s when I started in this business and there was really no technology to support it. And now that's all anyone wants to talk about. So I'm excited to get into that a little deeper today. The, uh, The thing that I think most people would be surprised to hear on Intermodal is that just about every shipper out there uses intermodal to some degree, even though they may not know it. Every consumer uses it. If you buy anything on e-commerce, there's a very high likelihood it moved at some point during that product moved uh, during its life, moved intermodally at some point as the parcel shippers are the some of the largest users of intermodal transport. So that's always a favorite of mine when a customer says, well, my product doesn't ship really well on, uh, on, on intermodal. And we say, well, do you use, do you ship anything via parcel? Well, yeah. Well, then you're probably moving intermodal. So it's kind of an eye-opening wake-up call for some of the small to mid-sized shippers out there that maybe haven't fully vetted that as a as an alternative uh, shipping mean for, for themselves. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think you'd find that consumers are pretty surprised too. And and one of the reasons why we named this mini series, What Does Intermodal Mean to You? And it's interesting because the first couple of episodes, we've spoken about how intermodal really does touch every single aspect of somebody's life, you know, whether they're a consumer, whether they're an importer, exporter, you name it. And uh, so it's been a really great series so far. So let's get into it. You know, we're talking about the technologies used within the intermodal industry. So what are we talking about exactly? Can you give us some examples? 
Yeah, so it's really been a great evolution going back into the 90s when there was really no technology to support the industry to today. If you look at the private fleets, uh, the private container fleets that are out there, all of them have some form of tracking and tracing capabilities, um, usually through an external device that's attached to the container. Uh, our CH Robinson fleet is, is no exception to that rule. And then many have cargo sensors as well. So that allows us to better understand when a container is empty versus loaded, rather than having to depend on a communication from a shipper or receiver. So that allows us to create more uh, access to that capacity a little quicker than maybe we've been able to in the past. So that's the, the very basic part of it. But really, it's starting to get a lot more integrated and smarter as we, as we move forward and new technology emerges. For example, one of the things that we're able to do today is have an ongoing API link with some of our customers. And every time the customer has an available shipment, we can go in and create a, a rating system for them and show them exactly what it would cost today to get access to capacity and whether that's truckload or intermodal and also what that uh, what the capacity situation is. So this way, the customer doesn't have to send out mini bids when they have route guide failure. They have access to instant capacity and a known cost that they can either accept or reject. So that's been a re that's been really more of a 2020 item that's come out, and we're getting a lot of very positive feedback from our customers around that. And then also the the use of um, artificial intelligence and machine learning to create more predictive capacity models rather than using historical data, which isn't always the most accurate because sometimes that goes back 12 or 18 months as to, yeah. to so now we're able to use something more real time and the machine learns from itself so that it can start to say that it's shipper XYZ normally sits on a container for 48 hours to, before it's loaded. So now you can start to model that into your driver efficiency plans and then your container efficiency plans. So we're starting to see a, a lot of real lift and the, the business just getting smarter. Yeah, you bring up a couple of good points there. So one of them, you know, I started back in the 2000s. And I mean, the transition in tech between where we started at that point and where we are now is light years. I mean, I remember, you know, sitting at the typewriter, typing out a check you know, to go to the steamship lines or go to the rail yard for storage and things like that. And just, just look at where we are now. And I think one of the other things to consider is that there are a lot of people handling your shipment, right? And so that chain of custody becomes that much more important. And so what would you say to that part of the technology? Yeah, I think that's really been an important part of this. So now we have, if you think about the technology uh, around chain of custody, most of the rail terminals have cameras that can zoom in and take a picture and identify a broken seal or damage to a container. So, um, there's some of the ramps that are even able to close uh, get a close-up of tires to understand when and where there could be a tire failure. So it's really been, uh, the progress has been over these last 20 years or so. I, I would agree with you. I think it's been something that's been long needed. 
and something that is driving some cost out of the equation, while it may cost money on the front end, right now, that chain of custody is important as you think about packaging getting smaller, more cargo fitting inside a 53-foot container as opposed to going back to when you and I started in this industry, Sarah, you know, 45-foot trailers were kind of the norm, and then it became 48 and 53. So now you're getting more uh, more value in a 53-foot container. And mm -hmm. so you really want to make sure you understand where that is at all times. So protecting that chain of custody and being able to offer your clients a, a high degree of confidence that you know where it is. And even with those multiple handoffs of intermodal, you're not really compromising the safety and security of their goods by choosing intermodal versus maybe truckload. Yeah, and I think this might come up in the in the next section. Um, but I think the data that's coming from a lot of the technology is also key to how we can progress and how we can use that data to better keep freight moving. So in that regard, what role does that technology play in keeping freight moving? I mean, you and I kind of spoke a little bit about some of the historical challenges um, that we've had, but how? what were the, some of those bigger challenges and that we can now solve with technology or even vastly improve with technology-based solutions? Well, if you think about the consumer buying habits right now, Everyone wants instant gratification and the shift to e-commerce is highly predicated on knowing what product you have available at which warehouse. And so being able to communicate with your customers every step of the way and give them a, a predictive time of arrival for their goods allows them to create orders against that with a high degree of certainty. There's nothing more frustrating for a consumer than to go online to order something only to find out it's back-ordered or it's not going to ship for three weeks. Today's consumer just doesn't want that. They want to know that when they see it on the website, they can press a couple of buttons and get it, if not today, tomorrow or the next day. They're, you don't want to wait weeks for anything. So I think being able to track that information and know exactly when and where your incoming cargo is will allow you to create orders against it. So I think we're going to, that's going to, be something that people continue to invest in. And we have that level of connectivity with some clients where it's SKU level and they understand exactly what is coming and it allows them to prioritize in a market like we're dealing with today where some warehouses are ha have some labor stress situations where they don't have enough people to unload the trucks. This might allow them to prioritize which trucks they unload when based on outgoing orders against the incoming product. So we, we hear from customers that now having full visibility to the supply chain is table stakes. It's not a nice to have like it was five years ago. Yeah, yeah. And you bring up a good point about what we've kind of been dealing with, right? I mean, prior to, to what's been happening recently, you know, we have had the luxury of uh, clicking on purchase now and it's it showing up at our door a day or two later. But even through, you know, the pandemic and what we've seen, there have been some delays and it's really affected everybody involved. And so, you know, even to the consumer level, they can understand how important supply chain is, how important intermodal is and how important that technology really is. Yeah, it really is. And so if you think about another way that we, we think about this is that there's an imbalance right now. And I, I spoke on a another web 
podcast, uh, a webinar rather, on this topic. But the, the freight is very much coming northbound out of Mexico or westbound out of California as you get the imports that are coming in from Asia. And so as a fleet owner, you have to be able to make timely decisions as to how to get the container, get your fleet of containers where you need them, when you need them. And Mm -hmm. so we use technology to help drive some of those decisions and to understand when should we just be moving empties? What kind of rate structure should we be offering to push uh, capacity into markets where you're going to need it? So there really isn't a part of the the, the shipment that we're not using technology for. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's just become that much more important. So, you know, with such a huge array of sectors, technologies and stakeholders involved in the industry, I mentioned data before, but how important is connectivity? You know, we've talked about the chain of um, the chain of, uh, you know, the movement of the goods. I've mentioned data. We haven't really touched too, too much on data. Now we're getting into connectivity and it kind of brings both of those together. Um, So how are we all moving forward as an industry and working together, you know, with a focus on data and connectivity? Yeah, obviously data is everything, right? That's that's kind of the formation and the underlying construct that we're using to, to make these decisions and letting the computers help us. So getting accurate information becomes a really foundational to everything we do. If you think about mm-hmm. one of the ways we're using it is to measure how much time a driver might spend at a rail ramp or a shipper or a receiver. That helps create better decisions for the dispatcher. When you think about the the driver shortage that we're all dealing with right now, the getting the maximum velocity or number of turns per day per driver is paramount to a drayage company's success. So being able to use data to better understand how many, uh, how long will a driver spend at a given shipment that will also help them rate that shipment, right? Every customer wants a, a discount. Well, we're able to use that information to have very informed conversations with our clients and saying, and be very transparent that your Freight is good or bad in the eyes of a driver, which ultimately impacts the pricing because a a truck driver needs to generate X number of dollars per day, depending on the market, um, before any fuel surcharge is collected. So this will help them understand that if I can do four loads per day with one driver and I need to generate $700 per day, I know that I can charge $175 a shipment. But if the, the makeup of your freight only allows for two shipments per day, well, now I have to collect 350 on that same move. And so it's really all of that data and being able to present it in a non-threatening, very fact-based way to a customer opens up a ton of conversations. And so we found customers are really willing to, to engage in those conversations and to really try and change behavior when they realize how they stack up. And one of the questions I always ask the railroads and customers will ask of me is, how do I measure up against best in class? Tell me what the best in class behavior is and let me try to model myself against that. Wow, what an interesting concept. Um, Just because I've been in the industry so long and I come from a logistics background. And so, you know, I think back to some of those conversations that I had when I was in sales and, you know, how having that kind of data really would have changed the nature of the conversations that I was able to have with them. And now it's more of... It's more of a collaborative, it sounds like it's more of a collaborative environment based on 
real facts, real data that can drive change. Correct. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And and it takes all of the emotion out. If you think about yeah. approaching a sensitive subject with a customer and basically telling them that your freight isn't very desirable to a driver, some mm-hmm. people can get defensive about that. But if you really break it down and show them what goes into a, a driver's day, now all of a sudden you might be able to prioritize differently, create additional drop and hook pools. And so it's all about creating efficiency throughout the entire supply chain. None of this is meant to be personal or accusatory, but it's really a way for us to to use your word, be more collaborative with one another and drive better outcomes and solutions. Yeah. And I think it's really important when we take a look at the SMEs, right? The importers and the exporters that are the small to medium sized businesses that might not have a team of people to be able to help drive these decisions or drive these changes and might not understand as much about logistics and intermodal as, as they would want to and really rely, you know, on the industry to give them that, that data and really let them know where they stack up and what needs to be changed. And if that means that they're going to get a lower rate, I mean, who wouldn't want to do it? <laughs> no, you're, you're exactly right. And I think that you've seen the, the 3PL industry really grow and more and more outsources. And so customers are looking for exactly that. They're looking for feedback. They're looking for more yeah. options. And so they want to know that whoever they're working with is a qualified company that can share best practice information. They're able to get um, competitive pricing. They're able to get access to capacity maybe when others can't. And so the the expectation of everyone involved in moving cargo now has really changed quite a bit. And when you think about, if you focus on the retail vertical for a minute, the number of rain checks that actually get redeemed are minuscule. I want to say the last data point I heard was it's somewhere in the 15 to 20% range. So that's 80 to 85% of lost sales. And so everyone wants to know what can they do better to create these outcomes that we're all striving for. When I, mm-hmm. if I go to a store, buy something that it's actually on the shelf um, when it's supposed to be there and understanding what goes into making sure that happens. So it's it's been a, a real significant change over the last 20 plus years of doing this to understand that it's even the customers have become more savvy. They're able to give you better quality data. It's not just an annualized shipment volume, which really only tells a portion of the story. So as you think about how you use data, it's now it's don't tell me how many loads you had last year. Tell me how many per week, what day of the week, what, what's the value of the commodity, all of the things that can go into me creating a better package of solutions for you that's all-encompassing that allows me to have a higher degree of certainty that I'm going to be able to execute against that rate or that capacity commitment going forward. If you just tell me you have a 1,000 loads a year in a given lane, but they all ship on Friday, that's going to change my cost structure. So it's understanding that type of information and using all of the data that the customers have as well. So it, it's, you know, I keep coming back to collaboration and that's really what this has been all about and why this change has been so quick and so successful. 
Yeah. And it, it, it used to be kind of that push pull. Mm-hmm. And now it's like everybody is is coming together and really understanding what it means to both sides. So I'm glad that you shared that with us. I think that that's a really, really good point um, for anybody listening to this episode. But from the point of view of the technology companies themselves, right, why are they focusing more on intermodal now? Why is it an industry they want to be more involved in? It's, I don't know if it's just intermodal or just supply chain in general has become kind of the en vogue thing. Right? When, when you and I were in college, there were probably a handful of universities around the, the country that had a supply chain or transportation logistics program. Now they're everywhere, and it's one of the more sought-after deg- degrees to get. So I think you're getting a lot of really well-educated people entering the industry that are coming up with new creative ideas of how to make things better. So I, I think that's definitely one component of it. But the other part is intermodal specifically has been underserved from a technology standpoint for a very long time. It's a pretty fragmented industry. Outside of the top five or seven providers of intermodal services, it, the the numbers get pretty small pretty quickly. And so that just means there's not been a lot of opportunity for some of those smaller companies to really invest in technology. So now you're getting some outside companies that are doing it and they're trying to aggregate all of those small companies together so that the data sets are bigger and cleaner and you're just able to create a better um, visibility toward all to the entire ecosystem of capacity and where those containers uh, are across the North America. Yeah, well, and let's face it, really, I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity here from a technology perspective. I mean, it's not to say that it's not complex, because it's absolutely complex. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that there's not a lot of opportunity, because there absolutely is, you know, especially on the technology side, to create more efficiencies, like you just mentioned, visibility, um, transparency, you know, all of those those buzzwords that everybody's kind of using. Yeah, so I, I think as we move forward, you're going to see more investment. If you think about the rail-controlled fleet of containers, it's a, a pool of containers that's owned by the, the consortium of railroads. And that's probably the, the last frontier where you don't have technology on the containers. But I think that's going to be changing in the not-too-distant future. Just going back to what I said earlier, it's table stakes. Everyone wants to know where their goods are. And it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that I can order a a $10 pizza and I can track it from the time it goes in the oven until the driver pulls up in my house. But I could have half a million dollars worth of appliances in in an intermodal container and have no clue where it is. So we have to reconcile that on the, um, the free running programs that are out there. And then also using some of the external technology to support better on-street behavior, and much like the private asset fleets do. And I think that's one of the reasons the private asset fleets have grown faster, quicker than the uh, um, than the rail assets have, because they've just been able to create some of those things because they're owned by a single entity. And that's been something that's been driving different levels of outcomes. So now we're starting to see that shift in some of those um, neutral third-party companies are developing the technology to help support that free-running fleet and try to maybe level the playing field a little bit. 
you or the audience can't see me right now, but I've got a really big smile on my face because I think back to when I was on the phone with a customer and I think this was probably, I don't know, late, like probably 2009, maybe, well, maybe earlier than that. And she was on the phone with me and she was like, I just don't understand why I can't see where my container is right now like on some sort of map or tracking system or what have you. And I got off the phone and looked at my manager and I was like, is she serious? Like, we don't have anything like that right now. And I don't even know that it's it's possible. And here we are today saying that, yes, it is possible. And we definitely need the technology to be able to do that and to bring it to our customers and the consumers um, and it's just amazing to me. So with all of that in mind, what do you see for the future of the intermodal industry and the technology that facilitates it? Yeah, I think you're going to continue to see the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning for some of the predictive analytics to maybe offset some of the very reactive behaviors that we have traditionally used um, for intermodal. And that's changing quickly. The railroads are, are investing heavily in technology, and so they're able to give more dynamic ETAs. So I don't know that many people really use rail schedules anymore, and so you're using those updated ETAs as the cargo moves across the country. So I think you know, things like that are going to continue to be built out, and I'm sure there's going to be some really cool things over the next three to five years that that we've never thought of. The use of the automated gate system at the railroads has been a game changer. We talked a little bit about this before with the the cargo sensors and also, or I'm sorry, with the cameras, but also the biometrics that are used to identify a driver that improves the safety and security of the cargo so that only qualified drivers are able to get in and out. You're not dependent on all these human touch points. And especially as our unemployment rebounds from this current pandemic we're in, those are jobs that had been hard to fill. And so now we're able to use technology to maybe uh, replace some of the human capital that re was required. And you see the human capital starting to move more upstream at maintaining and developing the technology. So I think you're going to continue to see that. And as uh, schools continue to focus on supply chain, you're going to have a lot of these things that are out there. And our consumer buying habits, as we said earlier, continue to change. We're no longer packing up the family for a trip to go to the mall for uh, for back to school shopping. My daughter went and she grabbed our home computer and she went on to three or four of her favorite stores and she filled up her shopping cart and handed it back and said, mom, can you uh, enter your credit card information? I'm done shopping. So you know, we're going to have to continue to evolve that way and make sure that it's you know, we're, we're developing the technology to keep up with an ever-changing consumer buying habit. Amazing. What an exciting time to be in supply chain. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was watching 60 Minutes the other day and, and the one guy was talking about supply chains and how important it is to the economy and to business and so, so much more. So I think, you know, you're right on all of those different fronts. And I think it's just an exciting time to be in supply chain. So with a mission to promote the growth of efficient intermodal freight transportation through the innovation, education, and dialogue, IANA is the only organization that represents the combined interests of the intermodal freight transportation industry. With members from the supplier, rail, 3PL, marine, and motor carrier sectors, they're building a truly connected industry to create a more efficient and innovative supply chain environment for us all.
For more information about IANA, check out their website, intermodal.org. Thank you so much to Phil for joining me on the show today. I mean, technology is always a fascinating topic. It moves so quickly and has really helped to facilitate massive changes, not just in supply chain, but in every single industry. Stay tuned next week as we come back with episode four, our final episode in our What Does Intermodal Mean to You series in partnership with IANA. Thanks so much again for joining me today, Phil.